1: You are Locked On Packers, your daily podcast on the Green Bay Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
2: And you are Locked On Packers. Hello, this is Bill Huber, the publisher of PackerReport.com, part of the Scout.com and CBS Sports.com networks. All right, I'm joined by Sam Ekstrom from Locked On Vikings. How you doing, Sam?
0: making our way through this off season into April, it's three weeks away, Bill, from this draft.
2: Time flies, hey. I mean, it just seems like I know it's been a bit of a longer off season for you guys, but it just seems like I was in Atlanta for the championship game. So it is. Time flies when you're having fun, they say.
0: Yeah, evidently we we got through free agency, and now it's time to really dive into these prospects, and it's a deep, fun draft. Uh, you gotta love it.
2: That's for sure. You just mentioned free agency. Let, let's let's jump right into that. Um, tell us about who. Who's, who's come, who's gone, and, and, and where you guys are better?
0: Well, let's go back even further to two off-seasons ago where the Vikings were coming off that playoff appearance. It seemed like they were just one, maybe two pieces away. They were on the verge. They brought everybody back last off-season. The defense was virtually completely intact, um, and, and the whole team was, was really a mirror image of 2015. Now, after what happened last year, there was a pretty big teardown. There was a lot of departures. With the Vikings, primarily Matt Khalil, he goes to Carolina. Rhett Ellison, the tight end, goes to New York. Captain Munderland, the starting nickel corner, goes back to his previous home, Carolina. You lose Cordell Patterson to Oakland. Even your punter, Jeff Locke, goes to Indianapolis. Uh, Adi Cole, a depth linebacker, leaves. And Charles Johnson, your fourth wide receiver, goes to Carolina. So, I mean, you lose a lot of pieces. If I were to rank them, I would say the Captain side, or departure Probably the most significant. That was a quality starting cornerback that you lose. Matt Khalil, you know, for all the criticism around Khalil, he was still probably one of the best options out there for the Vikings. The quality left tackle market is just so scarce that the Vikings would have liked to have Khalil back. That wasn't the case. He went to play with his brother over in Carolina. Can't blame him for that. So the Vikings patch up the offensive line, which was historically bad last season. They bring in Mike Remmers from Carolina, so they basically do a tackle switch. Remmers will play right tackle with the Vikes, and Riley Reef from Detroit will play left tackle. The Vikings hope they've found their long-term starting bookends of that offensive line, giving both of them five-year deals. And, of course, the Vikings swipe Dayton Jones from the Green Bay Packers um, to play maybe a little bit of inside on the defensive line, some depth at the end position. And essentially provide Sharif Floyd insurance, who is still dealing with complications from a knee surgery. They also retain Terrence Newman, and they sign Kate Keenum, probably the most inspiring
2: back back signing of all time. <laughs> yeah, let's go to your old line stuff. Just how much better are you guys on paper? I mean, first of all, for for Packers fans, you, you Green Bay thinks they were hit hard by injuries last year, and they were, but. You got to go down to your third-left tackle. I mean, kind of go through what you guys had last year and how much better you are on paper because of, of your signings.
0: Right. Well, it's hard to get worse than the Vikings <laughs> were on the offensive line last season. I think they had 11 different combinations on the line or, or 11 different linemen that played. I can't remember I can't remember what the stat exactly was, but it was ugly. You, you go from Matt Khalil to start the year, then you try to bring in Jake Long, kind of the, the snake-bit, injury-prone Uh, former number one pick, and he was good for a couple games, but then he tore his Achilles. So then you go to TJ Clemmings, who, God bless him, has been bouncing around from right to left, from right to left, from right to left his entire two years in the league. He's never gotten comfortable, and he's never performed well. And that was your starting left tackle for the Lions' share of the season. You've also got Jeremiah Searle, who was an undrafted guy out of Nebraska who they traded for last year. He was your right tackle because Andre Smith got hurt in week four. So the line that was supposed to be Khalil, Boone, Sullivan, Lodeholt, uh, Fusco, you know, everyone got hurt. You know, Sullivan, Sullivan got hurt and got released, and Lodeholt retired, and it was an absolute mess, Bill. It was, it was just a, a laughingstock week to week. So from that, from what they ended the season with to what they have now, if healthy, I think it's a much better line. Even though Reese had his issues in Detroit, I think he, he has potential left tackle, only 28 years old. Remmers was pretty good at right tackle with Carolina. They forced him to play left a little bit last year because they had line issues. He's better on the right side. So if they can keep guys in the spot where they're comfortable, I think the line will be better. I would also expect the Vikings to go interior line early in this draft and maybe find somebody to play, to play right guard.
2: All right, we talked on your show a little while ago about Dayton Jones. He, he was a, a borderline bust here. He did a couple some good things, but ne- I mean, never got close to panning out. What, what, what are the expectations there for, for Dayton Jones? Seems like a bridge deal to me. Just one year,
0: $3.75 million. He's only 26, so it's probably beneficial to Jones to, to rehabilitate his stock here in Minnesota, which he's got a lot of defensive talent around him in Minnesota, which he did not in Green Bay, mm-hmm. certainly to his benefit. He'll be surrounded by Everson Griffin, Brian Robison, Linval Joseph, Daniel Hunter. That's a pretty good defensive line for the Vikings. So what Jones is going to be, I think, is a rotational defensive tackle. So the Vikings uh, may not have Sharif Floyd this coming year, as I mentioned, depending on how his knee shapes up. He's still got some, some big time issues with that. Um, but what they like to do is they like to rotate about four defensive tackles in the game. So Linval Joseph is the run stuffer. But he'll come off the field on third downs a lot. They may bring in Jones. They may pair him up with Shamar Steffen or even Brian Robinson, who moves inside sometimes. I think he'll play, you know, maybe 40% of snaps during a game. I don't think it's too high pressure of a role for Dayton Jones. So I think it's beneficial for the Vikings and beneficial for Jones. And maybe the Vikings can catch lightning in a bottle as Jones goes to a new team, has some new scenery and tries to, again, rehabilitate that stock, and maybe this is the place to do
2: it. I think so. I mentioned on your show, I kind of thought that he should try going to a 4-3 defense because the 3-4 thing didn't work out. He was not big enough to play end, not athletic enough to play linebacker. This one I think might be a good fit for him, and, you, and you're and you right. He's got a lot better talent around him. And, and what, what, What's the rising waters, raises all ships, whatever that phrase is, I, I think that might help him out.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, the the Vikings' defensive line, I think, has some of the best uh, depth of any position, maybe maybe on the team for sure, and maybe in the NFC North. I mean, because you've got Deniel Hunter, who has double-digit sacks last year. He's your he's not even a starting defensive end. He's your third defensive end. And then you've got a guy like Jones, who you know is, is probably used to playing a little bit more. He will not, in all likelihood, be a starting defensive tackle. So so there's uh Definitely some depth there that the Vikings have on a position where they like to be dominant at. And I think Jones can help them stay deep and stay
2: dominant. All right, let's let's just cut to the chase on this question. Can Adrian Peterson play anymore?
1: list
0: very direct uh he, that, that's a tough question to answer because when we saw him last year you know game one for instance when he was still healthy did not look good game two against green bay you caught a glimpse of him did not look good then got hurt and then when he tried to come back in week 15 he wasn't himself he w- it wasn't 100 percent. he rushed it and i don't i don't think you can really count that against him uh so he's got a terrible offensive line last year mm-hmm. um that being said, Peterson found himself dancing a lot. You know, I think he fumbled once or twice in the in few in a few games that he did play, uh, and he still can't pass. He still can't catch the football, I should say, very well on third downs, which forces teams to bring him off the field. And he's not a great pass blocker. So you've got those issues with Peterson that I think were covered up earlier in his career when he was running defenses over. Now suddenly he's not very multifaceted, and I think in today's NFL. You want well-rounded running backs. While many teams are going to that model of kind of shifty scat backs like New England, they have James White and Deion Lewis, uh, the workhorse back who just pounds 25 times a game is going out of style. And at age 32, Adrian may not be a good enough runner to cover up the other holes in his game. And I think that's why it's been so tough for him to find a job, especially if he's allegedly asking for $8 Eight million dollars? Are you kidding me? I think he'll be lucky to get half that.
2: Hey, you can't get that much money if you don't ask for it. though. you can't—you can't blame a guy for trying. that <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true,
0: and Adrian certainly values himself a lot. And he's probably thinking, "Well, I was going to make eighteen this year until the Vikings cut me. I should get at least half that." But unfortunately, that's just not how the NFL pay structure works. You get paid for what you're going to do, not what you've done.
2: Yeah, you know, Packers fans are, are certainly conflicted. They're obviously the, the off-the-field stuff weighs against them, but. I think there's, you know, for all the good things Ty Montgomery did for the Packers last year, moving from receiver to running back, I think there's just that feeling that he hasn't proven he can be the guy, and they don't have anybody else here. I mean, no offense to Kristen Michael, but shoot, they they need some sort of guy to, if not carry the load, at least take some of the burden off of a former receiver who hasn't proven he can be a guy, the guy for 12-15 carries a game for the course of the season, and I, th- I think fans get stuck with, well, he was great a couple years ago. I just don't know that he's that guy anymore. But then again, when's the last time that he ran against six in a box? And that'd be what he would see here. So it's, it's an interesting thought if you're a team like the Packers that if you can structure in a way where you can get out of it, it might be worth it. But I don't know, if maybe you're just better off waiting until after the draft. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure the, the right thing to do there.
0: Well, When Peterson was teamed up with Favre in 2009, he actually turned into a little more effective pass catcher. So maybe if there's more space on the field, and there certainly would be with Aaron Rodgers, maybe there'd be more room for Peterson to be more versatile. The offensive or the box just got so clogged right. with the Vikings because they had such mediocre, lackluster quarterback play around Peterson for really the last decade, in large part, except for that Favre. So it would be intriguing for sure if he went to Green Bay, but it's just hard for me to see a fit with Peterson in a pass-heavy offense when he's not a great blocker and he's not a great pass catcher. I, I just don't know how that fits. And I think that's also why he went to New England, met with Belichick, went through a workout, and didn't get signed. I don't think New England would, would like him either. So there's not a whole lot of great fits for Peterson. And with all the running backs in this draft, it's tough to know where exactly there's going to be a need for him.
2: We're talking with Sam Ekstrom from Locked On Vikings on the Locked On Packers podcast. Okay, the Vikings have no first-round draft pick for, for the Sam Bradford trade. First of all, was, it, was that worth it, do you think, a, a, good, a good price to pay there?
0: I think you had to do it, Bill. I, I really think if you wanted to compete last year, and again, as we talked about it in the very first question, the Vikings thought they were there. They thought that last year was there. Everyone came back on defense. You thought you had this fearsome unit. And for the first five games, you were vindicated. You were 5-0. and then you hit the bye week, and for whatever reason, the wheels fall off. You get some injuries on that line. Sam Bradford is limited by, by the playbook. His offensive coordinator leaves, and everything goes down the tube. But I think in that moment, you felt like you were just, you know, as long as you had a competent quarterback, you thought your defense was going to carry you. And it turns out it, it didn't. You know, you finish 8-8. Eight eight, you finish the season 3-8 and eight in your last 11 games. But Bradford was a good quarterback. Now, he wasn't great. He wasn't a playmaker. He was uh, kind of statuesque in the pocket, not good at, at evading pressure like Teddy Bridgewater was, maybe not the most charismatic guy, but 20 touchdowns, five interceptions. That, that's solid. I mean, that should have won you more games. Uh, but, but, again, the Vikings' offense was just so limited that Bradford wasn't really able to throw it downfield very much, where I think he's pretty good. And, uh, you know, now, now, of course, you want that first-round pick, knowing that you didn't make the playoffs, hindsight's always twenty twenty. but going back to, to last late August, early September, I think you had to pull the trigger on that deal. All
2: right, so where's Minnesota's first pick then, and, and what where, where, where do, do you think you guys are looking for?
0: At 48, so much is going to happen in front of you, and, and we've talked before about this, is that there's just so much talent at multiple positions that you know maybe there's a run on quarterbacks, for instance, which prevents there from being a run on offensive guard. That would be great for Minnesota if the guards could stay there because Minnesota is probably going to be targeting an interior lineman. I really think they want to build up that offensive trench and and add some interior line depth. There's a trio that may be available in the second round that I think the Vikings could target. Dan Feeney of Indiana, who blocked for Tevin Coleman a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. Ethan Posick of LSU – who blocked for Leonard Fournette at, with the Tigers, and then you've got Dion Dawkins, who's kind of a wild card out of Temple. Uh, you know, these these are guys that played for the for the most part a lot of tackle in college, but they shape up more as guards in the NFL. Uh, I, I think it'd be great if the Vikings could land Feeney. I, I think Feeney is a, a really great value pick. Um, you know, he comes from a school that isn't really known for great football, but I think Feeney is you know really good at the point of attack. He's strong. He'd be a good run blocker and. The way the Vikings, deep, our offensive run game was last year, they need people who can just push bodies out of the way. They need to get, to get the momentum at the point of attack. So, offensive guard, I think, would be my number one target. After that, you know, maybe you go after um, maybe you go after Peterson's replacement. Maybe you go after a running back. There's a lot of high-end running back talent in this draft, whether it's, um, you know, Josh Kamara, whether it's, you know, Dalvin Cook, Leonard Fournette, those guys will probably be gone, but I think there's a lot of running back talent, and I think uh, certainly you got to go after a couple uh defensive, defensive pieces as well. You want to keep that defense deep. The Vikings had Chad Greenway retire. You may want to bring in another interior linebacker as well. So maybe in those middle rounds, you, you go there. But I think offensive line has to be the target for the second-round
2: pick. Kind of the same board as the Packers. Packers are looking guard, too. and You, you mentioned Dan Feeney. He'd be a good pick for the Packers. You mentioned Deion Dawkins he certainly would fit two for Green Bay, so it's, it's kind of the same same pool of players. Um, last thing for you, Sam, you mentioned a couple of questions ago that you thought that, that the Vikings thought they were, quote, there heading into this year, or heading into last year. Where are the Vikings now, do you think? Are they still there? Just, you know, get healthy, add a piece or two and they're fine? Or, I guess, what is the state of the Vikings heading into this draft?
0: Well, the fan momentum is definitely dampened. I don't think people are are declaring Super Bowl, even though it is being played in Minnesota this year. Certainly the expectations are lower going into the season. People right now are are debating about whether or not Sam Bradford can get you to a Super Bowl. I'm not sure he is going to get you there, but I think if you can bolster the talent around him, it's going to look a whole lot better. So if if you can really solidify your receiving core, you've already got Diggs. You've already got Adam Thielen. You could maybe add one more receiver or get Laquan Treadwell to play to his potential. Then you're set there. You add a running back who can stay healthy, who can catch the football, you're better there. The offensive line is better. So I think the offense is going to be a lot better for the Vikings this year because, frankly, it's hard to be worse. Then you look to the defense. Most of it's still intact. You did lose Captain Munderland, which I think is significant, and you don't have a clear-cut replacement at this time. Uh, You lose Chad Greenway. Not a huge loss on the field, but a huge loss in the locker room. Who's going to step up and fill that role vocally? And who's going to be your, your first down, run-stopping linebacker? There are still questions to answer for the Vikings defense, but for the most part with Kendricks, Lar, Joseph, Griffin, Harrison Smith, I think the core is still intact. It's going to be a top-ten defense this year. The offense is going to be improved. So the question is, can you finish games? The Vikings were not great at finishing games last year. They lost a bunch of close ones. Is Bradford going to be clutch this season? That could be what it comes down to if they can protect him when it matters.
2: All right, everybody, that's the great Sam Ekstrom from Locked On Vikings. And be sure to check out Sam's podcast as well as the rest of the great Locked On podcast network. Have a great day, Sam. Thanks for joining us.
0: Thanks a lot, Bill. Always good to join you. Uh, Good luck in the draft to your squad.
2: To you as well.
1: The list.